The following podcast is an audio message from Harvest Bible Chapel in Rochester, Minnesota. You can find out more by visiting harvestrochester.org. My name is uh, Rani Mugaki. I am originally from Nairobi, Kenya. came to the U.S. six years ago. Uh, spent five years in Chicago, just studying at Moody for my undergrad and grad school. And then the Lord called me to, um, I like to say, be a missionary in this land, uh, more specifically to be a church planter. And so uh, when I was done with Moody, I, I thought I was going to go uh, west where it's warmer or south. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> but the Lord told me, no, I'm going to take you to the frozen tundra. So I said, ah, all right, all right. Uh, I am married to Joyce. We've been married for 10 years. God is good. And uh, he has blessed us with two sons, um, an eight-year-old boy called Imani, which means faith in Swahili, and a five-year-old called Wema, uh, which means goodness, and then my wife Joyce. So you can see there's joy, faith, and goodness, and uh, we're trying to work around the fruit of the Spirit. And uh, so uh, six more to go, and... Uh, <laughs> Uh, it's no longer a laughing matter for my wife right now. So. But I'm excited to be here, really, really excited. Let me tell you, I heard about Harvest Rochester when I was at the training center in Chicago, and I heard about this church, young people just, you know, just fired up for Jesus Christ and are doing amazing things, not only here but abroad. I, I hear something is going on in the Caribbean, and if you, if you trace the map, you can see the footsteps coming back right here. Amen? That is awesome. I'm excited to be here. Uh, can, we, can we just pray for, for this moment before we, we move forward? Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, thank you so much just to be able to be here Sunday morning to listen to your word. Uh, Heavenly Father, would you, would you take preeminence in this place? Heavenly Father, this is your time. Holy Spirit, come and move in our hearts and arrest our minds. Heavenly Father, for your glory and for your honor. In Jesus' name. And all God's children say, Amen. Amen. Yeah, so we, God has called me to plant not only myself, but there's a team who's coming together, uh, who God has also has already called Harvest Downtown Minneapolis. I know you guys have been praying. You guys have been so, so, so supportful. We are so excited. And some of the team uh, is, is here. Uh, if you allow me just to embarrass you just for 30 seconds, please, if you Harvest Downtown, just stand up so that, you know, these guys can see you. And... Uh, so, so five of them are here. Thank you so much. These guys are amazing. I keep bragging about them. These guys, you know, you tell them too much and they match. You know, and, and they, they've gotten the vision. It, it has gripped their hearts. And, you know, uh, and of course, you know, we, we poached Joel Anderson from you guys. Thank yeah. you so much. You're such a giving church. Amen. All right. Let's open our Bibles to the book of Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11 from verses 19 to 26. Acts chapter 11 from verses 19 to 26. Acts 11, 19 to 26, and I read, Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one else except the Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also 
preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them. And a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem. And they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he saw, when he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad. And he exhorted them to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year, they met to the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. Amen. Uh, let, me, let me just give, a, you know, by, just by way of uh, introduction, just a background of what is happening here in the book of Acts. I know many of you uh, probably read this book over and over again. But the most, the most pivotal moment of our time is, is, is the crucifixion, the death, burial, and resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ. That is pivotal for us as Christians. I mean, without that, our faith is null and void. And so then we move forward, um, we come to the book of Acts, and here Luke is, is, is writing, writing to a guy called Theoph- Theo- Theophilus. He's telling him, listen, I have seen these things with my own eyes. I'm writing an account. And so we are moving forward. Just, I'm going to fast forward to chapter 6. If you can just put a bookmark with your finger and just go back with me to chapter 6 so that we can just refresh ourselves. So uh, as the church was growing, as, as they are fellowshipping, so there were believers. So some of, of some Jews of Greek descent and there some Jews of Hebraic descent and they are fellowshipping. But these Jews of Greek descent felt, man, you guys are shortchanging us. You're looking down upon our widows, you know, and there was some discontent between these two groups. So much so that the word got to the, word, uh, to the disciples, to the apostles. And they said, you know, what we are not going to do we are not going to stop preaching the word of God so that we can go and uh, uh, wait on those tables. We are not going to do that because the word of God is paramount to us. But what we are going to do, we are going to choose seven men. Seven men, and these are the qualities. Of verse 3, chapter 6, verse 3, it says, seven men of good repute, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. Think about that. Just to wait on tables. You have to be of good repute, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. And all those who work at Chick-fil-A say, (laughs) amen. (laughs) But among these seven men, people, men, was a man called Stephen. So, and I'm sure Stephen thought, you know what, Lord, I just want to serve you. If you've called me to wait on those tables, I'm going to wait on those tables. But God started using him mightily. Look at verse 5. It says, Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. I mean, the text is confirming for you. This was a man truly being used of God. And it goes on verse 8 to tell you that Stephen was being used so powerfully. Verse 8 says, he was full of grace, full of power. He was doing great wonders, signs among people. Isn't it amazing when you just avail yourselves to God? He starts working through you. So much so he was doing such great signs and wonders that word went around all over the land and these religious leaders from all over the land came and heard, wait, who's this Stephen Kai? What is he preaching? And so they met him and they started having a debate. You know, if you watch those debates online, probably Ravi Zacharias and some atheists, I mean, they were having a debate. 
And the word of God tells us in verse 10, they could not withstand, withstand, they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. Here is just a common guy, a regular guy, out debating this religious elitist man. And you know, no one wants to be put down in a debate, particularly if you have a, uh, you're egotistical, you have pride in your heart, and you're, and you're presented with truth. What happens? You become very hostile. And so they said, no, 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 no. You, you, let's, so they seized him. Trump up charges. They, they, they said um, uh, that this guy is talking about that Jesus of Nazareth, and he wants to change the mosaic law. And, and so they seized him. And they brought him to a, to a kangaroo court, and they, you know, they told him, okay, you defend yourself. And so that's what chapter 7 is all about. We'll not go through all 60 verses, but he started defending himself. In essence, what he was doing, he said, okay, let me, let me, let me, let's go back to Jewish history. And he started with Abraham. He started showing them what Abraham had been doing, what, what God, how God had been going through the, uh, the lives of the Jewish people since Abraham until recently. And you're still in them. Listen, you guys. Every prophet that God raised, you guys were hostile to him. You guys were stiff-necked. You, your forefathers were stiff-necked. You were just as hard-hearted. And even Jesus of Nazareth, you took him and you murdered him. And they got hold of him. The text tells us they dragged him out of the city. They threw him out of Jerusalem, took stones and started stoning him. Stone after stone upon his flesh until he was no more. And there, verse 8, please fast forward, verse 8, um, you, you can see verse 1, it says, and, uh, and there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. On that day, persecution gathered so much momentum, we have killed their leader, now let's go after these other guys. And they were scattered throughout the regions of Judea and, and Samaria, except the apostles. So the apostles held their ground, they stayed in Jerusalem. Verse 4 gives us kind of a preview. Now those who are scattered went about preaching the word. Okay? And then we move on. We see Saul. Or he's, you know, he's gotten some steam and he's going to Damascus. And guess what? He meets with the Lord. He gets converted. And then on this other side, we find that Cornelius, he gets a vision from the Lord. He's told, no, the gospel is not only for Jews, but it's also for Gentiles. That's, that's why we're here. There's no other reason. The gospel is not only for Jews, but also for Gentiles. And so God is moving. God is at work. And here we are, chapter 11, verses 19 to 26. Verse 19 says, Now those who are scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch. And so when I read that, I decided, oh, that, this is interesting. So I took out a map of ancient Israel. I decided, oh, let me look. So I looked, I looked at the map, and, 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 and so this is, this is Jerusalem. Assuming you guys are on my western side, right? And so Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch were north. And so I looked, and I, you know, I, I took the scale, and I looked, and I realized Phoenicia was 150 miles north. Cyprus was uh, 300 miles over the Great Sea. I think it's a Mediterranean Sea now. 300 miles across. And then Antioch was 300 miles north. That's how far they traveled. And so I said, oh, let, let, let me look at this. So I went on Google. I said, let me see. Let me see where Rochester is. You know, I just want to get an idea. Well, let me see where Rochester is. So Rochester, and then I went north, 300 miles. 
Man, so 300 miles north of Rochester is, is a place called um, uh, Superior National Park, just before you get to the border. 300 miles, just 100 miles north of Duluth. And then 300 miles northwest is Fargo, North Dakota. And I'm thinking, wow, that's interesting. So you know that symbol with a car? Then I click there, it says, you drive for six hours. Then you know that, that symbol with a, with a guy walking like this? Then I said, Let me, I clicked there and showed me it takes about four and a half, five days to walk. And I thought, wow. These guys, because they, they, they didn't have cars, these are common men, they didn't even have horses. You know, horses were like Lamborghinis in those days, just for the rich. So, uh, so and I, as I'm reading this, it, it hit me that I, 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 my wife and I, Joyce, we can't identify with fleeing for our lives. It has actually happened to us. When, when we were in, in, uh, in Kenya in 2007, we had been married about uh, one year, and uh, there was an election that year. And if you guys know anything about elections in Africa, it's very, particularly Kenya, it's very tribal-based. You know, of course, you know, leaders come, we're 42 tribes in Kenya, so 42 languages. And every tribe wants to be on the presidency, so that to show, you know, we are, we are ruling over you guys. But, you know, so, you know, the, the civil society and not-for-profits are trying to engage people like, no, don't look at the tribe, look at their qualities and their manifesto and what they stand for and things like that. But it's so ingrained in the common man that you must vote for your tribe. So, so in 2007, there was, a, there was an election and... Um, other tribes decided to vote against this tribe. And so apparently, you know, they said, they, you know, it's, it's rigged, and no, you did not win, no, you won, and so. So it turns out my tribe, the presidency was, the, was, was, the guy who was president was my tribe, the incumbent. And so we started getting texts around, and this is in the city, that you know, uh, other tribes are, are killing other people and they are, they are coming around. If you're this tribe, just beware, they might burn your house at night and things like that. And they were coming, we're thinking, and that, my wife at that time was pregnant with our firstborn, Imani, seven months. And we're, we're not going to take a chance. And so I called my senior pastor and said, wow, we're getting this text. And he said, you better come. And thankfully we had a car, we just drove half an hour away. You know, but you're so anxious as you're driving. You know, you, you don't know who's who. You're meeting people. You know, I went to a gas station and people are looking at you funny. You know, in Africa, it's funny because you, you can tell who's who just by their looks. You can tell their tribe. You can tell, you know, where they're from just by their looks. If I one time outside our house and when we live in Chicago, we saw a lady and we thought, is that a Kenyan? She's a Kenyan. So next time she was like, are you Kenyan? She was Kenyan. <laughs> you, know, you know, so... You can tell just by looking at people. So, you know, I'm fueling and people are looking at you funny, you're looking at them. So, but there's so much anxiety. I mean, for those two, three days before we moved, um, Joyce was pregnant of Imani. And, you know, because of, you're, you're so tense, you're watching the results and texts are coming in. The baby stopped kicking. We actually thought something had happened. But thank God, uh, he, he, I mean, he was okay. But, you know, that sense of anxiety and you're fleeing. We didn't, even, we, we didn't even take anything else. We just left our house and fled. And so my mind as I'm reading this, I'm thinking what was going through their minds as they were fleeing. To leave their houses. To leave their heritage. You know, and you, you've seen your leader being murdered there. You know, and you've been just kicked out. And some of them, you know, they go to finish 150 miles and they said, that's enough. If I one time I was watching CNN and watching about the Iraqi refugees and um, they're crossing the border into Turkey. And if this is the border right here, so they had, you know, they had walked for, for a number of days. And once they got to Turkey, I mean, right here, they just sat down. 
And so the relief workers tell him, no, we must go in, in. They're like, no, we are done. We, we are we're in Turkey. We're not going any. So my assumption again is, okay, some said, okay, we're, get, we're, we're getting to Phoenicia, and that's it. Others said, no, we're going over the sea. So they went to Cyprus. And then others said, man, let's go to Antioch. It's a big city. They cannot know us. You know, I, this is my thinking. This is just my thinking. Uh, we'll just go there and hunker down, and no one will know about us. No, so this is what I'm thinking as I'm reading the text, right? And so, but I continued reading the text. It says, speaking the word to no one except the Jews. What? And then some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists, these this Greek uh, Jews, also preaching the Lord Jesus. Think about that. And they traumatized, and they exhausted. Imagine, imagine think, I don't think they traveled for five days. I was speaking to a friend of mine, uh, she's from Liberia, and Liberia, as you guys know, they, they went through civil war quite a number of years, and many died. And she was telling me, you just get out of your house and you run into the jungle. You run into the forest and you just run, and you're running, and you're running. And she said, during the day, you rest. At night, you're just on the move. So again, when I'm reading this, I'm thinking, wow. Because people are hunting for, there's a manhunt for these Christians. And then their families, men, women, children, elderly, it cannot take them five days. Maybe 10 days, maybe 15, 20. You know, so you go, you hide, you, you, you know, and some people fall sick on the way and you have to wait and things like that, you know. So by the time you get to Antioch, and my thinking is, man, I'm done, you know, with that, with that life. And no, this is what Texas, they were speaking to no one except the Jews. They were preaching the Lord Jesus. Amen. I mean, even in English, that tense speaking, it's not past tense, it's not future tense. It's, in, fact, in, the, in, the, in Greek, it's even more profound. It's as they were going, this is what they were doing. These guys did not forget who they are. They did not forget their mission. Yeah. I'll tell you a story about uh, a U.S. Marine who came to Kenya and uh, the U.S. Secretary of State was visiting Kenya. So, you know, so they sent an advance party to you know, do just uh, some security audit. And so this guy checked into the airport and um, you know, they opened his suitcase and found a sniper rifle. They were like, whoa, hey, who, who are you? You know, he wasn't wearing, he was like, who are you? And he was, he, so he removed his ID and said, this is who I am. And, um, I'm here on an advanced party, and uh, he was told, no, 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 no. Here, we, we have no word that you are coming, and you, know, <laughs> you don't have the right to bear arms here. We don't even, you know, who, we don't know who you are. And so they decided, we, we have to um, first put you in a, in a cell as we contact the American embassy, and we're going to take your rifle. And he was like, no, you're not going to take my rifle. You'd rather kill me, but not take my rifle. And he told them, my name is so-and-so, and I'm a soldier in the U.S. Marine Corps, and I'm on a mission. And they're like, okay, okay, here's your rifle, just but, but please, you have to go into the cell as we contact the American embassy. And as he was going, he kept telling them, I'm a soldier in the U.S. Marine Corps, and I'm on a mission. I'm a soldier in the U.S. Marine Corps, and I'm on a mission. These guys knew who they were, and they knew their mission. Think about it. I mean, these guys had lived under the Mosaic law. 
the old mosaic law which the Pharisees took and just added 600 sub points to them and told them, okay, if you want to, be a, if you want to get to heaven, here is the law. They could not keep it. They could not keep it. And so Jesus Christ comes into the scene. Why? Think about it. Why do you think these guys were so resolute? What is it? Why do you think they were so resolute? Someone, someone tell me. Shout it out. Why, why do you think they were so resolute? Yes, spirit of the Lord. Yeah. Yeah, what else? What else? God is faithful. What, what, and what, there was a word I'm, I'm, I'm starting with G. Someone shout it out. Something else? Yes, the gospel. It's the gospel. The gospel had gripped their hearts. These guys were enamored. They were enthroned. The message of the gospel. How is it that a holy God, God Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, can reach out to sinful people like us? And even come down from heaven. And these guys had, God had lived among them. They had seen him visibly. Tangibly and physically, he brought hope, a message of hope. He brought healing. And he told them, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I and the Father are one. And I'm going to die on the cross for you and your sins. So that if you trust in me and me alone, you can go to heaven. That is the gospel. That is the gospel. These guys have taken that message to heart. Harvest Rochester, what has changed Nowadays, what has changed? Is there another gospel? Is there anything different that we preach? Isn't that message so compelling to us today? I mean, the message of the gospel transforms. First, it reconnects us to our holy God and then transforms our being, transforms our thinking. In Kenya, we had a ministry to, for, for, for um, there were people who used to go to the streets and minister to, to, to hookers, commercial sex workers. And these ladies would get transformed to respectable women in society. Pimps would become father figures and mentors. Because of the gospel, you see, spoiled kids become generous and loving. Prideful hearts become gentle. Broken marriages. The spouses end up being just loving couples. It's the gospel. It's that message, the gospel, guys. This is my point, and I want you to write this down. Please write this down. Share the gospel in spite of your circumstances. Share the gospel in spite of your circumstances. These guys, they did not care. As they went, they preached the gospel. As they went, they preached the gospel. And, and verse 21 tells us, and the hand of the Lord was with them. What is the hand of the Lord? The hand of the Lord is, 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 that, is, is God's power, God's blessing. Because they just remained faithful to who they are and they carried the message forward. And he says, a great number believed and turned to the Lord. All we have to do is just to be faithful and God will do his business. We leave the results to God. Yeah. For us, it's just to be faithful. And that's what we're planting. We don't consider ourselves super spiritual or anything. In fact, one, there's a couple here who joined the, the core group because this is what I told them. I said, we're not looking for A1 Christians. We're just looking for someone who wants a challenge. Someone to take the next step in their faith. And they joined the core group. That's it. 
As much as we're going to be faithful, I don't think we'll be perfect. But all the time, God is faithful. And a great number who believed turned to the Lord. Let me tell you, I was... um, uh, in Chicago, in, in my church, one time we were, we were doing a survey and uh, we just wanted to know what people in the community think about our church. Actually, it was a Baptist church and we're thinking of changing the name. Just the name. From, you know, Faith Baptist to either Faith Community or Faith Bible or Faith Fellowship, something. So, you know, we, we, we gave us, you know, men just, you know, um, surveys to go and give in their, in their neighborhoods. So the, so the next week, when the men came back, we, we asked this guy, hey, where's your server? He's like, you know, I, I put it under the door of my neighbor and um, um, I've not gotten it back. We're like, no, you are supposed to talk to your neighbors. He's like, no, you, you, you don't understand. In my neighborhood, people don't talk to each other. <laughs> what? No, come on. And, you know, I know, I know it, it is... It's how we are, we are socialized. It's, it's, it's society. It's, it's, it's a private thing. You don't talk to your neighbors. But f- listen, for us, we are called out people. You'd rather be that odd, 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 odd uh, you know, household that talks to everyone. Because that's how we are. You just talk to people. You, you're, you're trying to build relations so that in the end, you can share your faith for the hope that you have. Amen? Amen. Share the gospel in spite of your circumstances. So, so think about it. So here in Jerusalem, um, so, so they're thinking, man, what happened? What happened to these guys? Have you heard from them? No, okay. I wonder, I hope they're, 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 you know, they're doing well. Uh, you know, as of how many days to Antioch? Man, must be many days. Um, did bandits get hold of those guys? I don't know. How about wild animals? I don't know, man. Let's, let's pray for those guys. So the church in Jerusalem, the apostles, this is my thinking, this is their church. Okay, man, those guys, oh man. So what do we do now? Many empty houses in the neighborhoods and uh, what are we going to do? And then, and then one day they start hearing, man, I think there are Christians in Antioch. I think there are Christians there. Are you sure? Yeah. How? No, no, I think there are Christians in Antioch. Antioch was the third largest city in the Roman Empire. Oh, really? Okay. Um, because it says here in the text, the report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem. So they said, wait a minute. Could it be that it's those guys who left Jerusalem and went to Antioch? Could it be those guys? Yeah. And said, hey, hey, hey. So they called one of the guys. Hey, Bernie. That's Barnabas. Hey, Bernie. Come here. <laughs> Feel the burn, right? Feel. So, so Bernie, hey, Bernie, we, you know, we're hearing about uh, Antioch, man. Looks like something is going on there. I think there are Christians there. And, you know, we, we trust you, Bernie. So uh, how about you go, you go to Antioch and because you're the man. You're the man who can, you know, just go there and let us know what's going on there. All right. So Bernie says, okay, I'll go. I'll go to Antioch. So he takes off. Uh, the text tells us. It says, verse 23, when he came and saw the grace of God. I mean, he came. He couldn't believe it. These guys are alive. And they haven't changed much. They're still proclaiming Jesus. They're still doing God's work. They're still discipling. I mean, he comes to this big city and it's full of those Greek Jews. And you see other Greeks, you know, discipling other Greeks. You know, uh, all the, uh, I mean, older ladies are teaching younger ladies and older men are discipling younger men. And, you know, all these Bible studies is going to homes. Like, what is going on? You know, and the text tells us right here that he was glad. He was glad, verse 23, 
You know when you think that God is not working? You think God is silent 400 years. No, he's dead. No, he's, he's not. No, no, he's still working. Despite what we can see or not see, he is working. He is working here in Harvest Rochester. Yeah. He is working right now in the Caribbean. Yeah. We know that, right? And he was glad. You know, I, I, I see him going like, thank you, Jesus, thank you. He was so glad. He, he couldn't believe what he was seeing. And the text tells us he, he exhorted them to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. He, en- he encouraged them. Hey, you guys, do whatever you've been doing. Just keep on preaching the word. Keep discipling. He didn't come and say, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Are you Baptists? Are you Lutherans? Are you, you know, uh, do you believe in infant baptism? Do you speak in that? No! The gospel was going forward in spite and despite of him. So he just encourages him, just, just keep doing what you're doing with steadfast purpose. Do not turn to your left, nor to your right, just straight on. Keep doing what you are doing. And let me tell you, you, you need Barnabas in, in, I think, chapter 9, chapter 4, I think. He, his name was actually Joseph. But when he met with the disciples, like, man, this guy is another character, man. He's so encouraging. So they called him son of encouragement. That's what his name means, son of encouragement. And you need people like that in church, people who just encourage you to do God's work. Do do you remember when Saul got got converted and no one wanted to touch him? They're like, this guy's CIA. There's no one, there's no way he's (laughs) trusted in Jesus Christ. No, Bernie just came and just gave me a hug and told him, it's okay, it's okay, come. Yeah, I'll, I'll disciple you, you know. Such an encourager. And I tell, I know, I was telling, West Minneapolis last Sunday, and I was telling them, you know, Monday to Friday, all I do is meet with people, and uh, I'm, I'm told, meet with so-and-so, meet with so-and-so, and, and so I meet with them so that I can talk about the church plant. So I cast vision and tell them how God has called us to plant a church in downtown Minneapolis, and we're just trying to be obedient to the Great Commission. We want to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission so that we can plant a church in the darkness that is so perversive downtown and shine God's light in there, Amen. right? And make disciples. That's all we want to do. That's, that's the last commandment we were given. When my mom, when I was on vacation, when I was in high school, and, and she used to leave the house, and she used to tell me, when I come back, make sure you've made your bed, you've washed dishes, you've done this and that and that. You know, the last, that's most important, and she leaves the door. That's what Christ told us to do. That's the last thing. That's what we want to do. Make disciples downtown. Amen? And so I meet with people, I remember meeting with two guys, but this one guy, one time we met at a coffee shop, we met at Starbucks, and, uh, and so this is what I was just telling him about what we're doing and things like that, and you know, I told him if, 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 if just pray about joining us, and, and if, if God leads you away, man, we are so glad, but we would like to, we're glad to have you. And so he nodded his head, he you know, pushed his chair back, he stood up, shook my hand and took off, and, and kind of looked at me and, and told me something like, good luck. And I, and I know he meant well, but... Good luck. Good, good luck. Good luck. How, how, how does a Christian even have that vocabulary? Good luck. So, man, that, I, I was so discouraged. I was like, man. He told me he's in a Bible study. He's looking for a church. We are, you know, Christ-centered church, you know, Bible-preaching church. We are vertical church. And he tells me, good luck. You know, so discouraging. Let me tell you guys, 
This is my point. This is my point. Be an encourager of God's work. Be an encourager of God's work. No one needs you to come here with your with your airs and stuff, and you know you have you know you want things personalized personalized for you. And why don't we do this? Why don't we do this? Just just encourage God's work. Let me give you a practical example. Okay. Let's let's embarrass your pastor, Pastor Steve Diedrich. Let's 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 pull, let's post on his Facebook page. Let's tweet his name. Just encourage him. Let him trend in the Twin Cities. You know, let's, I'm serious. Let's, let's give him a pat on his back. Him and his wife came. Let's, let's just encourage them. When you meet them, give him a hug. Give Brent a hug. Martin and Shauna and all those guys. Just encourage what people are doing. Let me tell you, pastors need all the encouragements they need. It's, it's not, I know it looks glamorous when you're there. I wish I could do that. But man, behind the scenes, man, some hard stuff going on. Be an encourager of God's work. Be an encourager of God's work. Amen. So, um, so Barnabas now, verse uh, 25. So Barnabas is thinking, wow, what is going here in Antioch? This is awesome. This is awesome. I have never seen anything like this. So he's thinking, man, I need, I need, I need help. I need help. I need help. And he says, ah, Saul. Saul is the guy. Saul is the guy. So he decides, the text tells us that, um, so he went to look for Saul in Tarsus. He went to look for him because thinking, man, this old guy, he has met with Christ. This is the guy who will really understand what is going on there. So, uh, so he gets Saul and they go back to Tarsus. And so when they come here, the text tells us that um, um, Verse 26, sorry, my eyes, I don't see well sometimes. For, for, for a whole year, they met to the church and they taught great many people. You know, he, he, he brought Saul here. What is he doing? So he's discipling. That's what discipleship is all about. You bring someone to your context and you show them how, 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 how to do God's work. You know, first, of course, they'll observe how you're living and everything else. But ultimately, you're pointing them to God. But as they're watching, you're also teaching him to be a disciple. And they taught many people. They taught them to do God's work. That's, that is what it's all about. And, and you know, some of us have really bad habits, particularly the men. We, uh, Sunday night, you know, we want to invite other men to come to our house and watch UFC fights. Stop it. Just stop. Stop. <laughs> if there's a new believer that you know, invite him to your small group. You know, invite him to your small group. Um, Take him to a concert. You know, let him see you doing God's work. He's been in that world. But now he wants to see something fresh. Yeah. Something refreshing. Yeah. So if he comes from that world and then he comes here, oh, so you guys do the same thing. Well, you're not drinking, but, you know, you're still watching the same fights that we used to watch, you know. You know. But just, just immerse him in God's work and let God, you know, just watch God doing his thing yeah. in there. And just to go back, you know, um, when, when verse 23, when uh, Barnabas, he saw the grace of God. He saw the grace of God at that place. And how, how would you define the grace of God? Someone shout it out. What is grace? Unmerited favor, right? That, that, that's spot on. But I like, I like what someone said, you know, some really educated guy. You know, I like to quote these guys. This is what he said grace is. 
Grace is the dimension of divine activity that enables God to confront human indifference and rebellion in an inexhaustible capacity to forgive and to bless. God is gracious in action. God is gracious in action. And that is that whole concept of all these guys. You know, God is just gracious in action. In all this indifference of our society today, God is just gracious. Verse 26 goes on to say, and in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. They were first called Christians. What is a Christian? A Christian is a follower of Christ. But more than anything else, these guys in that big city, I mean, for them to trend like this, this was a hashtag I'm telling you those days. <laughs> hashtag Christians. You know, they always talked about Christ. They always aligned themselves with Christ. They associated with Christ. They were followers of Christ. They were Christians. Would your friends say you're a Christian? Have you told them you're a Christian? And I know that, you know, that word today has a, you know, it has a negative connotation, but Christians are followers of Christ. That's who we are. That's who we are. Amen? So this is my point. Um, seek out gifted believers and disciple them by example. Seek out gifted believers and disciple them by example. When verse 23 tells us that they came and saw the grace of God, it, it takes someone who's spiritually keen, spiritually attuned, spiritually mature to know the grace of God in a particular situation. I think you guys have seen that somewhere in the Caribbean. You're thinking, God is going to work here. You know, the, 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 a fleshly eye cannot see that. And that's why you sent people there, Right? You have to, it, it takes someone who's spiritually mature to see the grace of God in someone else's life. It takes someone who's spiritually mature to see the grace of God in your life. Seek, so you have to seek out gifted believers. Say, oh, this guy, this guy. This guy can do this. This guy can do this. We're going to use him. We're going to use him. And he's going to be used by God. Amen. But the word Christian. Let me, let me. Let's, let's, let's go to Russia, then we'll, we'll bring it home. Um, in, in 2015, there was a Russian airliner that took off from a tourist resort in Egypt. And it took off and gained good altitude and it was now flying up over the Sinai Desert. And all of a sudden, it just exploded in media. You probably remember the story. And all the wreckage was just strewn all over the Sinai Desert. And after a few weeks, a couple of months, they, they indeed confirmed that this was a terrorist attack. They, they found bomb fragments together with uh, uh, debris. And uh, Russian President Vladimir Putin said that those, uh, the, uh, those who've done this will be brought to book and will be severely punished. And so just this month, this month, uh, the, Russian, the Russians passed a, a law that forbids evangelizing outside the church to counter terrorism. 
because to them, you know, this is religious extremism. They passed a law evangelizing outside, prohibiting Christians from evangelizing outside the church. And the, this is what the law says, that believers who talk to other people about God will be punished. Believers who talk to other people about God will be punished. You must have a permit in order for you to share a faith. You must have a permit from the government if you want to share your faith. Missionaries who share their faith with random people they meet can be fined up to $1,000. If you read your Bible in front of an unbeliever, you'll also be in trouble with the government. The law also goes on to say that it prohibits Christians from using online tools like email or social media to share their faith. And now the government of Russia has also told its citizens to be on the watch out to see if there's any religious activity in their neighborhoods. And if you do not report religious activity, you will be dealt with by the law. And this is to safeguard against terrorism. Think about that. Talk about uh, restricting religious freedom. As you talk about the, the word Christian, at, at Antioch they were first called Christians. How does it feel to be a Christian in the US nowadays? D do you feel the pushback from, from culture? Do you feel, do you feel it? I, I feel it, right? And, and there's a notion that we are, we're just being pushed farther and, and farther along we are. You know, and, 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 and you can see why there's a rise in, in religious activism. People fighting for religious freedom, right? Well, religious freedom. And I, I get it. It's, far, it's part of the First Amendment rights. I get it. Religious. But, you know, and Christians will tell you, you know, I feel that I can be private, as a Christian, I can be privately engaging, but the culture is telling me to be socially irrelevant. That privately I can practice my, 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 my faith, but I dare not talk to anyone else. That's how we feel as, as if, don't you feel that? Yeah. You know, you feel that as a Christian, you can, um, you can practice your faith privately, but dare not vote according to your faith. That's what culture is telling us. You know, you, you feel the pushback. And, and so much so that, you know, it's, 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 it's like bullying. It's like the culture is saying, if you're not with us, the culture is saying this, then you are against us. The culture is telling us, if you're not with us, then you are against us. And so that you can see why there's, you know, this clamor for religious freedom. It's in our constitution. And I, you know, I understand that, you know, religious freedom. But you have to ask yourself, was, was there religious freedom in, you know, the early church? Was it there? Mm, a little bit. But after reading something like this, was there really religious freedom? And I want to quote, quote, uh, a gentleman called Daniel Henderson, as I close, ask the worship team to please come. Ask the worship team to please come. Daniel Henderson says this. This is what he says. That the Bible, we are not guaranteed religious freedom in the Bible. Please write, we are not guaranteed religious freedom in the Bible. What we are guaranteed and promised is persecution. We are guaranteed persecution in the Bible. And if you've been in, in this country for the last, even just, just five years, you've seen how fast things have moved. Things just change every summer, every summer. And we do not know where we're going to head. 
it's going to become much more and much worse. That's for sure. If the way the train is moving downhill, so what are we going to do? Are we going to, um, you know, just take our energies on, and, and decide it's, we're fighting for religious freedom? Or shall we stand up and be bold and proclaim the gospel? The time to be bold is now. This is the time to be bold. What do you think will happen to the church in Russia? Do you think it will die? As it is, I mean, the, 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 the flickering light in, in that darkness that is in Europe is, you can, will it be snuffed out? But what if these believers in Russia really, you know, say, we don't care, we're just going to preach the Lord Jesus. What, what do you think is going to happen? Think about the churches in China. It's going to explode. Because the grace of God is going to be there. And the hand of the Lord is going to be upon them if they're faithful. Amen? Amen. Let, let's stand and, and, and just pray about this. Let's pray about, you know, the time to be bold is now. That's my message. Let's stand, let's stand and, 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 and pray. And just ask the Holy Spirit to do something new in us. The time to be bold is now. And as the worship team just, you know, just ask, ask God and Holy Spirit, would you come and we have the same gospel. We have the same gospel that you proclaimed more than 2,000 year, two years ago. Oh, Holy Spirit, would you come and work in our souls, come and work in our lives, in our families, in our schools, in our neighborhoods. Father, do something new in our hearts. Let us see the gospel in a fresh light. Let us see you, Jesus Christ, what you did for us in a fresh light. That to be so beholden by that message, Heavenly Father, give us that boldness that comes with the gospel. Father, we commit this time to your hands. In Jesus' name, amen.